Hey, Cardinals fans, thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven. Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdot at C70. With me, as always, David Jones, I pop better. This is episode one of season eight of the pod. Well, of the podcast since it left Blog Talk Radio. This is actually the 13th year of this show and it's making me feel a little old. But so, so many things do, especially when I'm talking to my co host. So, uh, David, how you doing? I'm great and I'm. Pleasantly surprised that I was not replaced for the new season. I, I thought you might pull a family matters and just kind of write me out or not even write me out. Just I'd be thrown out to the pasture and, uh, but I'm back. Um, I, no one's more surprised than I am. Well, it, it was mainly cause Tara didn't want the spot again, but, um, <laughs> you know, then we could do the, you know, and I, this is sad. We talked to David and I talked a little bit about this at one point in time and he did not get my coy and Vance Dukes of hazard reference. So, um, I, that, is what makes me feel old when you don't understand some of the seminal pop culture moments of, of, our, of my childhood. But um, <laughs> I'm too young to get the reference, but old enough that if I was in MLB, I would be a grandpa. So yeah, it's it's all a matter of perspective. So yes, I am. I am still to the point where if I die tomorrow, they say he died young. So there's there's that. You know. Um, <laughs> When you get to the point where people have said, well, he had a good life, then you know you're fit. I hadn't got to that point yet. That I know of. Anyway. That started dark. So, <laughs> so the new season. So it's it's only uphill from here. You know, uh, even, even talking about last year's team would be better than what we've been talking about for the last two minutes. So, But we're talking about this year's team. Spring training has started. We have got pictures, video. We have... Um, video, you know, camera. We have heard the wind of um of Florida over numerous microphones. Um, it, it's good to have. I, I don't know that we've had a lot of news. We've because a lot of the stuff that we've talked about that has been talked about this week is some of the stuff that has been talked about at least since fan uh, since the uh, Cardinal Scare um, winter warm up. But it's just good to have that kind of stuff back on our phone screens and and in our lives isn't it it absolutely is i i have to laugh at how many reporters seem to have found the instant replay feature on their phones because everyone is using it right now and the ones i really laugh at are the ones that don't know you can actually edit the slow-mo on there Mm -hmm. i think did i say instant replay i meant slow-mo yeah um see getting old but yeah they (laughs) discovered the slow-mo feature because some of them um it, you have to wait about a solid 45 seconds just to see the pitcher get ready to lift his leg. Um, and then others have kind of figured it out. But yeah, baseball's back and people are getting excited and upset about everything that they can. Um, you know, it's fun to watch guys hit BP, hearing stories about Jordan Walker taking off a kid's glove <laughs> out beyond the fence, hitting a car and, and things of that nature. You know, I tell you, if the Cardinals only face their BP pitcher all year, and the pitchers don't have to face any batters. They may go 162 and 0. Uh, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about that. Um, but yeah, it's there's not a lot to it. I know people want to get either excited or all up in arms if Paul Goldschmidt does something against Matthew Liebertor in his first spring training at bat. Um, 
yeah, okay. You know, there's not much to look into there, but we've been so starved for baseball that everybody is wanting to just take every bit of this and just dive deep into it. But baseball's back. Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a camp that seems to be, well, it's being led very well. We know that as much as, as much leadership is, is running around on those fields, but, um, it's speaking a camp of old. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, seems to be a, a team that's, I don't know, so far enjoying themselves. I mean, it is spring. It's if you're not enjoying yourselves in the first week, you're Anthony Rendon. Um, so, you know, it, it, but it seems like so far, even though, the, I mean, there's so much turnover and that was an interesting, I was watching a couple of the interviews that Jim Hayes has put up on his, on his site. Cause he's, you know, he was doing them in the off season. Now he's been doing a few now that he's, <coughs> excuse me, there with the players and he was talking to Newt, I believe it was. And, and Newt made the point that, you know, yeah, everybody in that, you know, there were a lot of people in that clubhouse that spent a bad year last year, but there's a lot of new faces and a lot of guys that have coming from better situations. And it's going to be, uh, I think that helps diffuse the mood a lot, right? I mean, if you bring the whole team back that was so terrible last year, I think there might be a, you know, a, a temptation to, to kind of wallow in it or maybe even get a little bit too focused on, being better and and making sure that doesn't happen again because that seems to be the best way to make sure it does happen again um but to have that new blood in here and i mean a significant amount of of new people has to kind of make it feel like that it really is a fresh start and this is last year means nothing to this year I'm sorry, I missed a lot of what you said because I thought you said that Jim Hayes was talking in the nude, not talking to Newt. And I have no—they didn't show him. I have no idea how he is doing. I, uh, I mean, I—I I had to uh, bow away from the the mic for a little bit because I couldn't stop laughing. Um, I'm still having a little trouble here. Um, but I, I'm assuming you talked about there was something with the changeover and the new team and starting afresh and. Um, Oh, I can't get that image out of my head. But uh, <laughs> I will say I do enjoy uh, Jim's interviews because he seems to get the most out of guys mm-hmm. and he gets guys to open up about things that no one else could. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it, it is, it's nice to this team. I, I can tell they don't really want to talk about last year very much. They want to put that behind them because I think it was depressing for a lot of them. And I think it was depressing for most of the season. Didn't start well didn't end well uh, there was no good point in between so i think that's not something we we'll look back on so i think it's got to be nice to basically get a fresh start hopefully not talk about last year too much but look forward to what's coming and you've got some new guys to help you do it you've got some of your friends to help you do it and hopefully we see a much better product on the field yeah and i think i think we will i mean i mean it better i mean there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of problems if, if we don't but um, I do wonder, I mean, a little bit, we've talked a lot about leadership and we're going to find out how that all works and, and comes together and hopefully it goes well. But I also think about the fact that, you know, every time it seems like all every day we're seeing Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker walk in at the same time doing stuff together, which is great. I mean, these are good friends and they're going to be doing stuff together, but you do wonder, does there at some point in time run the risk of you know, almost like a generation gap, right? The old guys over here and the young guys over here. I know that's not what they want. And I know that's why they've got guys like Carpenter and things like that in the, to try to make sure that doesn't happen, but you still run that risk a little bit, don't you? Yeah. And you know, I can understand best friends sticking together, especially young guys. You've come up to the minors together. 
we at this point don't get to see too much access behind closed doors. I think even the post dispatch had some photos of um, the big team meeting they did. And the photographer said he got two minutes <laughs> to take photos and that was it. That's like what they gave him. And even that was unheard of. So yeah, you, you hope that behind closed doors, uh, there's a little more camaraderie going on that you've got guys kind of, you know, you've got your fellow outfielders pulling in Jordan Walker, talking to him. Uh, you got some of the infielders pulling in Mason Wynn and, you know, kind of talking to him. I know, Ozzy's been working with with Win a lot. I, I know it's going to be a little weird because like Tommy Edmond wasn't there today because of a stomach bug, and he's also recovering from his injury. Dylan Carlson's recovering from his injury. Brendan Donovan's recovering from his injury. So you've got some of the outfield infielders who are um, not exactly a hundred percent right now. But yeah, I, I I totally get what you're saying, and um, hopefully that this team is kind of they're going to gel during this time together. Hopefully you don't have the divisions. Uh, You are going to have your best friends and your kind of groups that hang out together. But um, hopefully I hate to sound cliche and say one big happy family, but that's, that is kind of what you hope for. And if not that, at least respect that goes throughout the clubhouse. I think there's also, there's, there are some connection, connection, connecting tissue, if you will, of, like Newt Bar, you know, we were having that inter- that interview. He was talking about how he worked out with Nolan and he, you know doing stuff with Goldie. You know, he's got that. He's he's really big on the, on the older guy. I mean, he's kind of the young guy to that group, but he's in that circle. Plus, then he's going to be kind of like almost like a big brother, probably type to the the Wins and the Gormans and all that kind of stuff. And so there are people in the middle that can help that as well. And you know, we've seen, you know, we we heard about Brendan Donovan trying to be you know, kind of more of that leader type as well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, we, and it's one of those things that the Cardinals are going to spend a lot of time talking about it this winter, or, and we're not ever going to actually see it <laughs> during the year, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you see the results, and maybe that's because of leadership. Maybe it's just because players are playing better. Who knows? But it's one of those intangibles that kind of stays in the clubhouse, and we don't really get a handle on until the end of the year when all the stories come out because the team was terrible. Yeah. And you almost hope you don't hear about it. Um, I think back to 2019 when there was a fight at blues practice that was caught on camera, it was uh, Robert Bortuzzo and I'm forgetting who else it was. That's stuff that you don't want coming out. Uh, You don't want that stuff. If that stuff happens, you hope it stays in the locker room. Now that blues team that may have lit a fire under them because they went on and won a Stanley cup after that. And so sometimes you actually can grow from those incidents, but yeah, you, you, you hope that everything is okay in the clubhouse. Uh, You've got so many guys in there. That's the thing that I think people forget about. Um, Not only do you have everybody that's on the 26 man roster, but you have all the coaches, you've got bat boys, you've got the manager, you've got clubhouse attendants. So it's not just the team that's in there. There are a ton of people that are in that clubhouse. And so you're not going to have 50 people all being best friends, uh, but you just hope that everybody gets along. You hope that, uh, someone's leading the pitchers, someone's leading the outfielders, someone's leading the infielders. And, and I will say, I do remember an interview back last year, Jordan Walker, was on with MLB network and they were kind of talking to him about the people he looked up to. And he mentioned Adam Wainwright was kind of like the dad of the team and always taking care of him, making sure he was taken care of. But he also talked about Goldie 
And he said Goldschmidt was kind of a, a mentor to him. He was always willing to talk to him, talk hitting, listen to him. And so I think you do have those things going on. Um, Dan McLaughlin has talked about how Paul Goldschmidt is an excellent leader, not the loudest person. Um, you're not going to see it necessarily on TV, but he said he leads so well in that clubhouse um, and he does it quietly, but he does it so well and guys know they can talk to him. So I, I think um, I, 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 with a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, I don't think there's been an absence of leadership. I think what the Cardinals are looking for is to find more of that. They're looking to find more of the Paul Goldschmidt's for the locker room. I think that's where Matt Carpenter comes in this year. Even hearing Paul Goldschmidt's comments today or yesterday where he talked about how, he, yes, he asked for this, but he, he even talked about how he can learn from Matt Carpenter, mm-hmm. which I thought was a very interesting thing to say and a very humble thing for a guy like Paul Goldschmidt to say that he's looking to learn from him as well. Um, that's true leadership right there. Uh, when you realize you can learn from anyone around you, that's solid leadership. So I, I, yes, I think there was an absence of leadership last year, but yes, I think the Cardinals also are looking for more Paul Goldschmidt types. Well, and I mean, somebody's got to learn from Matt Carpenter, right? Because I'm, I feel, I mean, knock on wood, Matt Carpenter's not going to be on this team in 2025, right? I mean, this is, this is not expected to be a long-term engagement unless he's, you know, the next bench coach or something like that. Um, I, mean, I think they just signed him to an extension while we were talking. <laughs> I would not put it past him. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's the kind of thing. And we've talked a lot about um, how this team is set up for, like, a mo- the more – Cardinals for the last 20 years have gradually moved through eras, mainly because they've had, you know, Yachty Rolina for 20 years and you've had Adam Wainwright. And you kind of, you know, you had the – the Roland and the, and the Pujols and the Edmonds, and it kind of flew into the, the Waka and, and, you know, Piscottis and all that kind of stuff. And then it's been like to this, you know, the Goldschmidt's, the Arenados, but there's a real defining dividing line coming up in the next year or two, because, you know, a lot of these guys aren't going to be at least Ross, at least with their current contracts, things can change could, could be gone. And so, yeah, I mean, somebody's got to pick up that slack and somebody's that's going to be here. Somebody like, a Donovan, uh, you know, Goldie, even, uh, you know, we don't know where he's going to be at the end of this year because of no contract extension necessarily out there right at the moment. Um, probably going to be here. You never know. Um, so somebody like a Donovan or somebody like a Walker or somebody like, you know, somebody's got to pick up that mantle or we're going to be in exactly the same place that they were last year with less of those guys around than there were. Yeah, well, I, I do want to point to um, a specific interview I heard where uh, I believe you talked to Katie Wu, and she said mm-hmm. she would be shocked if a Goldie extension didn't happen. So I just want to throw that out there just to you know plug your interview with her if people haven't listened to it, because there's some good stuff in that. Uh, but yeah, you are right. You know, we we laugh sometimes at the whole cardinal way phrase and how that gets thrown around that I know outside of St. Louis, people love to mock that. But part of the Cardinal way is developing leaders and looking for guys who have that potential leadership. So you hope that some of these young guys are being formed into leaders. And we, yeah, like a Brendan Donovan, we've heard his name come up a lot in that leadership role this offseason. So you hope that he's somebody that's kind of being formed into a leader. Sonny Gray, yes, he is kind of one of the older guys on the team, but he's going to be around for a little while. And it sounds like he has just 
taken the reins on this <laughs> and he's kind of holding court with people. Uh, he's basically setting the standard for everybody else. So you hope he can continue being that guy kind of going off some things we heard from Nolan Arenado. I hope that one thing that we see develop is that guys realize you don't have to perform on the field to be an excellent leader. And, and I think that's something that outside of the clubhouse, we get that wrong. We expect everyone who has great talent as an all-star to be a leader. That's not necessarily the case. Sometimes leadership comes from the people you least expect. Sometimes it's an Andrew Kisner who gets named the captain by William McGee. Uh, there are guys who lead and have people following them who may not be putting up the best stats. And so I hope that some that's a message that the clubhouse begins to understand that you don't have to be that all-star. You don't have to be a gold glove player. You don't necessarily even have to be on the field 162 games to be that leader in the clubhouse. You can lead just by serving your teammates, by setting the example, by going out and doing your job, by watching video, by go, you know, going through the tape day by day, by being a professional, there are ways that people can lead without actually having the results necessarily. Now, it's great when those happen, but that doesn't always have to be the case. No, I do think there are times, and it depends on how they're leading, right? I mean, if you've got a guy that's hitting 150 trying to give you batting advice, then you may not necessarily listen to that as much, right? I mean, that's, but if you're looking at how to be a player or how to be, you know, how to conduct yourself as a major leaguer and all that, then yes, I don't think the results matter at all. I just, I do wonder if there are times that, and especially like last year, like Nolan said, you know, hey, I didn't feel like, I could set that example because I wasn't setting that example. I wasn't doing my level of, of usual results. And, you know, I, I would just wonder if it's, it's you know, kind of factored in, right? I mean, yeah, nobody would expect Andrew Kisner to play like Nolan Arenado, but Andrew Kisner had a pretty good year last year for Andrew, Andrew Kisner. And I think that makes a little bit of a difference as well. I mean, you know, again, on the outside looking in, um, and that's one of the reasons I was worried about, you know, is Carpenter going to have the same connection with these guys? Now, it sounds like he is. Um, Newt was talking about how much he had a connection with with Carpenter already uh, from the last time that Carpenter was here. Um, and we'll see about some of these younger guys as well. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I think there's also that idea. I mean, Carpenter is pretty content and kind of pretty set, I think, for the most part. There may also be that idea that it's going to be difficult for a guy to be a leader if he's afraid that he's going to get a pink slip in, you know, two weeks or something because he's not hitting. So, um, you know, most of the guys that we look at at leaders are pretty pretty confident and secure in that spot. But, you know, again, if, if Matt Carpenter's hitting 120 in June and they need a roster spot, I mean – it's not it's not likely, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that he won't make it through the year. Yeah, and that's where you hope that by that point, um, you've got other guys who have been established. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you also hope at the same time that some of these guys, these, these younger players that are coming up, that um, they have matured and they will keep maturing. And so they may need somebody to kind of steer the ship for them, but they're not going to need somebody to hold their hand the whole way. Uh, And so I think that makes a difference too. Um, But, you know, like going back to Kisner, 
I remember Brad Thompson talking about it and it wasn't necessarily his on the field play that set the example, but Brad Thompson said he was constantly in the video room, critiquing, watching, trying to get just a leg up on the opponents they were facing. And it was stuff like that, that set the standard. Um, That's why the pitchers respected him so much because they saw the work he was putting in. He wasn't going to hit 35 home runs. He wasn't going to make the all-star team, but they saw him putting in the work constantly. Uh, You know, Tom Seaver is considered one of the greatest pitchers of all time. And so on stats alone, you could see why he'd be a leader. But there are stories about there were times that the team would get back late at night, maybe midnight from a road trip, and he'd go throw his bullpen. He'd go to the stadium, drive there and throw his bullpen by himself against the wall. And they said after he would pitch, he would go through and watch the video and chart every single pitch that he threw to a batter and what the batter did to it. So he'd know exactly what to do the next time he faced the batter, what the batter could hit, what he couldn't hit, what fooled him, things like that. You know, I think it's stuff like that. And that's stuff we're never going to see. We're probably never going to hear about. But it's stuff like that that I think sets the standard for other players, um, especially younger players. When they see this guy's not just getting by on talent alone, he's leading by his influence. He is setting the standard because leadership is earned. Leadership is not something you can just come in and assume. Now, a guy like Kyle Gibson, somehow, I, well, I shouldn't say somehow, Kyle Gibson has jumped from team to team. And every time he's left, his teammates have said about talked about how much they're going to miss his leadership. I don't think Kyle Gibson just shows up and day one says, hey, I'm the veteran here. Listen to me and follow me. I think he leads by example. And I think he leads by serving his teammates and they see that he actually cares about them. And that's why people follow him. So, you know, there's a lot of different forms of leadership that are out there, but leadership has to be earned. And so I hope that is something that that's a message that's both being understood by the veterans and also by the rookies. It does seem like a guy like Brendan Donovan has kind of got a grasp on that. And it, I, I think we're going to see people follow his lead. And he seems like a guy that you, you really want carrying that mantle. Yeah, it, it definitely does. Um, and, we'll, and again, it's one of those things that hopefully we talk about a lot now and then we maybe mention it at the end of the year because we haven't talked about it since then. So um, that that's the hope. Um, as we've gone into basically a week of, you know, the pitchers and catchers and everybody being down in Jupiter, we, you know, they didn't have to start working out till Wednesday, but it's been almost a week. What have you seen? Is there anything that you have seen that has excited you, surprised you, anything that stood out for you? Other than the ugly Fanatics jerseys? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... That, yeah, surprising. Yeah. We could do a whole <laughs> show on that one, so... Yeah, I, I can't wait. It's going to sound terrible. I can't wait till a batter gets hit with a pitch and those patches just come popping off. Um, and thinking about next year, the NHL, can you imagine a guy getting checked into the boards and every, every logo just dropping to the ice uh it's coming <laughs> uh yeah nothing nothing huge I, I watching jordan walker take bp I, his swing is so pretty and watching it i'm like was it that pretty last year like it looks even better than it did um i i am a huge riley o'brien fan i and i i feel like he has a great chance of making the roster and if he doesn't it's only going to be because it's going to be because of space and guys with no options left or something like that but I have been a huge fan of his ever since they made that trade. I felt like it was a steal of a trade. And the reports coming out about his sweeper are incredible. It sounds like he has a two-pitch mix that is going to be very tough for guys to hit. And so 
I, I'm very encouraged by the reports coming out. It just kind of backs up all the things I've thought about him. And so uh, he's one of the guys that I'm very, very excited to see pitch in some of the early games because I really think he can be a difference maker going forward. Um, other than that, maybe uh, Lance Lynn's Jeep is what has stood out to me. The, uh, the the Barbie Jeep, which if you're Lance Lynn, I guess you can do that because no one's going to call you out on that. Uh, kudos to Lance for being a girl dad. Uh, but yeah, th- those are probably the biggest things I've noticed. What about you? Uh, I don't know per se. I mean, yeah, some of the things you said, I, I like that it looks like Mason Wynn is just, you know, kind of just walking into this camp like he's, he belongs there um, from what it sounds like. Um, and you're right. Like you mentioned earlier, it's very good to see Ozzy and him working together. Um, I think what stood out maybe though, the most to me just from reading and seeing stuff is, is how much, and, and you kind of touched on this earlier, how much Sonny Gray has kind of taken over that. I don't think we knew that, you know, he was that vocal kind of guy or that kind of, you know, very outspoken type of pitcher. I don't think we would expect that looking at him either, you know? Um, but it was just very interesting to see him and how focused and prepared he was. I mean, it was what his, his first, first BP that he threw, I think. And he's say, he, you know, he's calling out situations and, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. And, you know, trying to throw that pitch instead of just, you know, getting 15 pitches in and, and trying to loosen up the arm. He's pitching with a purpose. And so I think that's very interesting. I think that's, it's kind of neat to see that. And, I think that, you know, that's probably going to rub off. I, that has a chance to be, you know, he has a chance in in that mentality to be somebody like a Chris Carpenter, maybe with a little bit less of an edge. Um, it maybe maybe the maybe Mason Wynn won't have to worry about where his glove is, um, but um, but still, I, th- I think that he has a chance to. Because they've got a, you know, you got Lance Lynn, who obviously has an edge. There, there's no doubt about that, right? But I don't know. It feels a little bit different with Sonny Gray. I don't know how to really explain it, but it's that that competitive edge, that the really quality pitcher, and just absolutely focused on what's going on in the game. Lynn's got an edge, whether he's on the mound or off, I guess maybe that's part of it. It's, but it's almost a transformation uh, for Sonny Gray to be on the mound. But I I think that's the most interesting thing to me to see how he has taken to this and, and not worried about, you know, Hey, having a new guy here, he kind of understands he's got to be the, you know, that top of the rotation guy. And he's, he's doing what he's been done everywhere else. And, you know, hopefully it's as successful here. Yeah. He, um, he seems kind of like a throwback pitcher. He seems Ooh. like a guy who wants the ball every single day and he would be fine going on three days rest if you would let him. And he wants to go out there and pitch all nine innings. Um, he's a guy that may only pitch five and a third each game, but he seems like a guy that wants to go longer. And uh, I also get the impression that he's the guy that's on the bench. That's watching every pitch and discussing every single pitch that someone else throws with the guys around him. Like he's not just going to be eating sunflower seeds and kind of just, goofing off. Um, he's going to be focused. Uh, I, I, I sent you a picture of it and I think people thought I was creepy because I thought I was taking a picture of them, but, um, I went to a restaurant this weekend where it had his high school Jersey on the wall, uh, where th- the name of the restaurant is toots, by the way, my five-year-old <laughs> loved that. Uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of cool just seeing his beginnings of where he came from and see where he is now. Um, 
even seeing him wear the Vanderbilt hat uh, to Cardinals camp. And so, uh, yeah, he does seem like one of those guys that just yeah, he's that he has that bulldog mentality. And when he goes out there, he is going out there to beat you. He wants to destroy you. Uh, he wants he just he wants to strike you out. And I love that. I, I will say something else I think that has jumped out at me so far is the praise from Ozzie Smith about Mason Wynn. And I, I was listening to the radio this morning and they were saying that Ozzy's not one to give out just false praise. Ozzy doesn't just just say it just to say it. And if Ozzy is praising somebody to that level, he truly means it. So to hear Ozzy talk about Mason Wynn's work ethic and how good he thinks he's going to be and that he does have the drive and that he's putting in everything. That is very encouraging to me because in a lot of ways, Mason Wynn has exceeded expectations. He's gotten to where he is faster than people thought. Uh, People put certain expectations on him as far as average, or they'd say, well, this tool hasn't developed yet. And then he went out there and developed it and he kept getting better. And so it seems like he keeps proving people wrong. And so hopefully that's, that's what continues to happen. And, And so to hear Ozzy, the greatest shortstop of all time, say that about Mason Wynn is very encouraging. Uh, I, I, we know he has the arm. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the hands develop there on defense. Uh, the hit tool comes along and a little pop, but um, I, I'm encouraged about what he will be going forward. Yeah. I think that's, that's exciting to see. And I think, you know, that's the thing we, we look about for the next little bit is seeing how Tommy Edmund develops from this injury, trying to see if he comes back. I haven't, I'm still hesitant to believe that he's going to make it to, to opening day. Long way to go. Has, you know, they hadn't even got to games, but part of me just wonders uh, about whether he's going to make it to open today. And, you know, even if he does, this configuration has him playing um, center field. So, yeah, I mean, it's a big, it's a big camp for, for Mason Wynn and, for him to to get that kind of ringing endorsement is is a good thing because I think you know the Cardinals have had a lot of good shortstops in their career in their history and obviously Ozzy stands at the top of that but um, you know Mason Wynn has a chance to be right in that mix you know of of this the, that level below what Ozzy was um, you know could he you know be like an Edgar Renteria or something like that you know that would be interesting um, especially with the team that's around him so. I think there's a lot of a lot of interesting things that we'll be seeing in this game. If we get games starting on Saturday, and right now, as the media folks tell us, um, both and there's two games. There's split squad game to start this, this spring, which is a little bit weird. But uh, right now, Matthew Liebertor and Zach Thompson are both lined up to start a game. Doesn't mean they will. We don't know that for sure, but it does sound like they'll probably get the start and pitch an inning or two or whatever the case may be. Where did he, where? And Jason Hill and I talked about this on Unusual this week. You know, where do you put those two guys at the end at the end of spring training? Where is Zach Thompson? Where is Matthew Liebertor? What are they doing? I my guess is. Th- if a pitcher goes down, if a starter goes down, let's hope it doesn't happen. They are competing for the number five spot. If that doesn't happen, I think they are competing to be the sixth starter to start off the season and a bullpen arm while the other one will be a starter in Memphis. 
a lot of things could happen, but right now it seems like that rotation is pretty locked in. It would just be a question of whether they, whether or not they do go to a six man rotation to start the season. Even if they don't, I think one of those guys has to be on the roster because of the grueling schedule to start off. They're going to need some guys that can actually go extended innings uh, because they don't get that extra off day like a lot of teams do to prepare for rain or something like that. So that's my guess. I, I think they're competing for the number six spot, possibly number five if an injury would happen or somebody's not ready. Um, and, and then from there, I think we'll see one guy stay with the club, one guy go to Memphis. Uh, what's your take on that one? I mean, until the six starter idea, I really thought both of them would wind up at Memphis as probably both as starters just trying to stretch it out. Um, with this idea that they may use a six starter, especially in that uh, opening stretch of games, because, you're, yeah, you're right, they don't have a, a, a day off until um, the first Friday. So they go the first week of the season without a day off, which is – very weird because yeah, so often, so often you see the the first week there's like three days off or something like that, depending on how your schedule works. So, um, you, I can understand that, and and I can see that them going to that. That being said, you know this is a team that is also built on the fact that they've got guys that are going to go deep into games. So, I do that. My hesitation to putting anybody, either Thompson or Levertor, in that swingman role that may or may not start and, and may just be there to, to eat innings is those kind of guys don't often get a chance to eat innings, right? I mean, we've, we've had that pitcher under glass situation a number of times in the past where, you know, okay, we're going to use this guy for the fifth, sixth, seventh. Well, then all of a sudden your starters are going six and then you're turning it over to the, you know, the flamethrowers in the bullpen. And, you know, a guy like that doesn't get to, to pitch much. So I think that probably – Boy, I don't know. I, I I do think that I think that the club is probably going to wind up using Libertor as a reliever. Um, I, I you know kind of start thinking about the Memphis rotation, and if you have Thompson and Libertor in that rotation, then you've got you know Roby maybe, um, but you've got Kloffenstein and, and Reverse for sure, and then maybe a Connor Thomas, and um, I, I know there's other names that we're we're leaving out. Um, it, it gets crowded really quickly. So, you know, do you let me Libertor be that guy that you take North and, and fill in and, and spot start if you need to maybe. And then you leave the Thompson down in Memphis to be this, the, you know, be ready for if there's a full-time starter that's needed. My guess would be that's the way it would wind up going. Um, I haven't done another roster write up on, on the site yet. I probably should do that pretty soon. And, and really think about it because there, you know, like you said, with Riley O'Brien and others, there's a lot of interesting arms that could be on this roster, and it really depends on how they want to construct that bullpen for the for the first little bit. Because as we know, these things are going to change quite a bit as the season goes on. So, how does that all change when the Cardinals sign Jordan Montgomery? Um, okay, well, we don't have to go there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when that happens, we'll figure it out. Um, probably not going to have to worry about it too much <laughs> unfortunately thanks That's, scott yeah so uh then again maybe nobody will sign gordon montgomery and he'll go off to tibet or something i don't know because right now it's a little bit a little bit weird that i saw that blake snell at least has an offer from the yankees so there's that that's the most activity we've had on these guys in quite some time so 
Um, anyway, we will find out. But um, and we are here. We've started another season of us. We started another season of baseball, and we look forward to continuing, hopefully both successfully, throughout the rest of the of the summer. But until next time, for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. The final time, Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, in regular season play. Here it comes. All of them coming out. Three icons in franchise history. Spanning over two decades. Excellence here with St. Louis as Adams said to Yachty and Albert, you guys go first.